This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the hope of freedom was kept alive by rebel forces fighting against the evil Galactic Empire. In a daring raid, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. But as the rebels raced back to their base, they were pursued by a powerful Imperial starship. I told you already, I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Impressive. Most impressive. You are on the Sith list. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 77 of the Sith list. I'm your host. Raj Dolit Shahi and my three co-pilots for this evening's powerful podcast party. Ooh, say that five times in a row. <laughs> the young, the restless, the man who has a full beard going right now, and he kind of looks like one of my kind, Carlos. <laughs> and the man with different names, Action Jackson. We got Extraction Jackson. We, did I say Action Jackson? You did. I thought of Apollo Creed real quick. That's why I said it. Les Gonzalez. And the man they call the hair. The man that has these unbelievably beautiful golden locks who I saw on Facebook, who I saw a video of rocking out to kickstart my heart and some other great songs it's by Guns N' Roses. Snake, yeah. And unfortunately, they had a couple of David Coverdale songs. We won't get into that. <laughs> but his name is Eric... Nothing but a good time, Struthers. What's up, Eric? Uh-huh. Uh, not much, man. What's up with you? Good. I had to go to a poison card there. I was, I was stuck. For I want to sing that song so badly. Nothing <laughs> I want to sing it but a good time so badly. Here's, here's a little side note that I don't know if we've ever discussed this completely related to all this talk is the band Warrant. Real mm-hmm. popular for their hit song, Cherry Pie. And and the video, by the way, with Bobby Brown in it. Mm. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who Janie Lane later married. The guitar solo in that was played by CeCe DeVille mm-hmm. from Poison. They they called him up and they're like, oh. we're not good guitar players. Can, <laughs> can you, who's slightly better but not really that great, could you come over here and play this solo for us? And he did. I did not know that. Mm. I did not know that. That's see, yep. that's truly crazy information. Just like I bet you, 
that I don't know if Les knows this. I don't think Boo knows this. That the guitar solo in "Beat It" was done by who? Do you know Eddie this Van one? Halen? Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. He called Eddie Van Halen up and asked him to do the solo. So when you listen to the solo, and now that you know Van Halen did it, you can pinpoint from the very beginning it's Eddie, mm-hmm. like dead on. Does he do the whole guitar? He plays the the solo only. Oh, is so that right? The you only rest the of it, yeah, the rest of it is uh, Steve Lukather. He wow. was um, the guitar player for Toto. Oh, uh, he was a studio guy. Okay, okay. Yeah, really good studio guy. But um, they called him up, and he's like, "Uh, okay." Was he, was he down in Africa? He was. He mm-hmm. was. He bl- he blessed the reins. Oh, nice. Did he hold the line? Oh, <laughs> he did. Very hey, good, Les. Hey, love isn't always oh, on time. Love sure. isn't always on time, yeah. People that are listening going, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> I never thought we'd talk about Toto on this podcast. <laughs> Guys, Grandpa's dragging his records out again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> how you guys doing, by the way? Boo, Les, Eric, how you guys doing? We good. had a real fun episode with Mr. Jason Warden. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jason, again for coming on. We've had some good Twitter debates, especially about mumble rap. I think I got you to come around, actually, on a couple. Of well, well, not on a couple, on one group. They get a bad rap, but they're actually good rappers. Yeah, the Migos. No Migos. I won't throw them into the mumble rap thing, but the couple songs that I heard that Les played for me, I'll give you that. That Migo sounds like they have some talent, hmm. but that other garbage, I will call. I'll keep calling garbage. Garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How you doing, Eric? It was fantastic. But hey, real quick side note on all the music talk. Mm-hmm. I sort of alluded to this when we were talking about it, and I started thinking about it more. And I've really decided. I've taken a firm stance. Here's where the line for me is on whether or not the music is worthy, I guess, for lack of a better word, okay. is if the people who are making it are passionate about making the music, then it's music. If they're passionate about, hey, man, I'll just poke a couple of buttons and the dollars come in, that's that's different. But if they're genuinely passionate about making the music, whether I like it or not, how can you argue with it? Then sure. it's art, you know? Sure. But, but uh, yeah, but, man, it was a great weekend. I one of my buddies was actually in town at this dive bar playing guitar for Joe Lynn Turner, a big name in the early to mid to late '80s rock scene. And the funny thing is, I just saw this dude less than a month ago playing in an arena tour. My my buddy, the guitar player, where there's lights and pyro, and he has a guitar tech, and he doesn't even have to do his own wow. patch switching or anything. To play in like three feet away from me using a loner amp in this dive and having nothing but technical problems. And I told he goes, I haven't had a gig this hard in so long. That's I said, funny. dude, on one hand, I felt I felt bad for you. But on the other hand, I was like, hey, that's what you get. <laughs> now you're right back to where I'm at. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Boo, how was your weekend, man? It was good. Didn't do shit. Sat on my ass all weekend. It was that great. That is fantastic. Oh. That's like the best weekend. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I was so happy. We were able to watch football on Sunday. It was, it was oh. amazing. Yeah. That's that's the, that's a beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm shedding a tear for you. Yeah, well, It man. sounds fantastic. It was great. It was. <laughs> Les, how are you doing? As the dentist said, my hole for my extraction is closed up nicely. Are you sure that was your dentist? <laughs> yeah. That too? <laughs> Both your hole is closing nice, up nicely. nicely. I like it. You walk by the the office door, you're like, all right, I'm just going to keep on walking now. Oh, man. Yeah. No, it's still pain. Yeah. <laughs> Les has had a rough couple of, couple of weeks here. <laughs> I think it's time to throw our, our uh, jokes towards Les, though, instead of Eric now. Yeah. yeah. I think hey, man, I'm fine. Yeah, let's do that. You're, you're <laughs> Okay, you got to get on in on it, too, Eric. <laughs> all right, guys, we are a part of a great podcast network. You might have heard one of the guys from one of the shows, the Making Star Wars Network we're on, and Jason was from Now This Podcasting, that's one of them, Rogue One, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, The Cantina Cast, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Podcast 287, The Cargo Hold, and Fingered with Randy and Jason. And here's the cool thing. I'm going to be on Now This Podcasting on Friday. We're going to be recording with them, heading down to the studios, and then Steel hit me up. Today, I'm going to be a guest host on the call-in show next Friday. Nice, man. Yeah, that should be fun. I haven't been on Steel show before, so that should be really cool. So I'm very excited about that. So tune in to all these great Making Star Wars podcasting networking shows. So make sure to call in on the call-in show and have really in-depth, <laughs> no, really precise questions for Rush. I mean... Yeah, all about Rush and Pearl Jam, please. <laughs> that would be fine, too, but I mean, I'm talking really precise Star Wars questions. Oh, Star Wars. Yeah, that yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I am a fan. Yes. I am a fan. Thanks, Boo, for yeah, yeah, no fucking me on that one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I might call in and just like, <laughs> what are the right. materials that yeah. Mace Windu's lightsaber are made out of? <laughs> That's funny. I'll give you a hint. They're very expensive. Yeah. Very fast. Very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you can reach us if you want to, if you want to email us, email us on the Sith List at gmail.com. We have a Facebook, The Sith List. Instagram, The Sith List. You can catch us on Twitter at The Sith List. Boo. At The Sith List, boo. Action Jackson. At less is more 78. <laughs> I keep saying action. Am I bad? It's extraction, but I'll take action. <laughs> extraction. Uh, action. I should call you the whole. I said action Jackson. <laughs> I'm call you the whole for the rest of I didn't say action Jackson. I said action Jackson. I'm going to call you the whole. The whole. the whole. We got the hair in the hole. Oh, oh good lord. The hair is not in the hole. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God. Yeah, this is a very uh, bad hole. Oh. Eric, where can the they good find you is- on Twitter? At Eric Strother. There you go. The good go thing is, is that nothing we do now matters because everybody has stopped listening already. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we talked about 80s rock bands, hair bands, and hole and extractions. We apologize, people. We really do. And if you want to call us and just cuss us out about this episode, please call 707-65-GEEK1. That's 707-654-3351. Please leave some iTunes reviews. We need some iTunes reviews, so if you have time, please leave us some reviews. We'd really appreciate it. And we are on Spotify also. Just want to throw that out there. Okay, now that we got shenanigans out of the way, let's talk a little box office. Jumanji is like killing it. Still? Yeah. Man. They three-peated with $19 million, number one. Huh. 12 Strong was number two with $15 million. And Den of Thieves, the movie that Boo wants to see, and that's with Gerard Butler, and it's one of those movies that you know it's going to be bad, but you still kind of want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. For some reason, it, it, it uh, piques my interest. 
Yes, I, me too. I mm. kind of want to see it. Yeah. But I don't know if bank robbery or heist movies, you know, do they have that same appeal? Still? Like uh, like Heat was, I think this is kind of gives me that feel like it was like heat, kind of like mm. trying to recreate. Yeah, except heat. for without De Niro and Pacino. Right. But, <laughs> yes, you know, you have somewhat of a powerful cast and then it's like, I just don't know if I want to go see. Well, speaking of that, yeah. <laughs> before you got here, Les, me and Boo had a long conversation about what are some of the movies that you've had big expectations for and the cast have been amazing and have sucked? We came up with the number one film of all time with an amazing cast. That movie wasn't that good at all. Oh, uh, Logan Lucky. Oh. No, no, Craig, I saw... Am I, am I saying the right one? I saw Ooh. Logan Lucky. Was, was that with Daniel Craig? Yes, and, yes, 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 yes. It wasn't awful. It wasn't know, awful. It wasn't, ha- it wasn't Hemsworth. But, but we have a movie that has even more people in it that had even more hype. Okay, well, we're going to tell you the cast first. Yes. Boo, is. Boo has the cast. All right, drop it. Okay, Boo, go ahead. Give us this cast, and let's see. I'm sure Eric will know this movie. He's very into movies. <laughs> I'm sure he's seen it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Stop okay. it. <laughs> All right. So I'll start from maybe not the bottom, but the least important. Lowest. Yes, exactly. Like C level. Yes. Uh, but they're all very good. Right. Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. But for first of all, if people don't know who he is, he's in a lot of movies. He's always playing this squirmy, creepy dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clifton Collins Jr. It looks just People like should know who he is. He's been in a ton of movies. A ton of movies. He's a character actor. I think he's actually Hispanic, but the stage no. name is Clifton Collins Jr. So the next one is Michael Kenneth Williams. I think I already know what this is. Keep going. Norman Reedus. Ah, triple nine. Yes. Okay. And, Hold on. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, thanks let, for ruining it, dude. Let me finish, though. Let me finish. What did we right. guess, right? Afterward. No, that was good, though. That was a good when job. When you say Michael K. Williams, people, those of you who've watched The Wire know that that mm-hmm. is Omar whistling a hunting. We will go. Yo, so come on. Yo, Omar's coming, man. Oh, shit. Because he robs drug dealers. So, you're going to just wait it, dude. You have to blow your wad halfway through this fucking cast list. My hole is nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. So next, uh, we have Gal Gadot, Kate Winslet, Aaron Paul, Woody Harrelson, Anthony Mackie, Casey Affleck. So AGO4? My God. Crazy. So that's at least 10 A actors. Yeah. A level actors Fuck. in one movie that was a total letdown. It was total letdown. The ending sucked. You know what? I, I saw that movie and I was like, this movie is loaded, just like you guys said. And it just didn't deliver know what the hell it was. No, it didn't know what the hell it was. It, it no. didn't know what the hell it was. Was it dirty cops? Was it a bank robbery? Yeah. Heist, yeah. drug busting, double cross, triple cross, quadruple. It was triple nine is what it was. That's what it was. Russian mob nine, shit. Nine, 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 meaning no, don't do it. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like that. Now I got to put a sound bite in. Nine, 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 nine. A little, little segue there. We wanted to bring that up because yeah. uh, we want to know what some of your movies that you really thought was going to be amazing with the cast and then just fell flat. And we thought Triple Nine was one of them. Yes. It's amazing actors, mm-hmm. Academy Award winners, Golden Globe winners went to shit. Yes. Real quick. All right. I think it's time to talk. A little Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Eric, you ready to yes, talk about yes. Star Wars? I'm ready, man. What do you got on your mind today, Eric? <laughs> okay, so we're sort of in this weird little lull between The Last Jedi trailing off its run in the theaters. I mean, it's still there, but it's not like it was. You know, you're not seeing it in IMAX 3D, probably in too too many places. And the hype for waiting for this solo trailer to drop. 
So what what the good Star Wars fans should be doing right now is <laughs> going to see the movie as many times as they can <laughs> while it's still there. And I happen to do that very thing. I took my little boy to see The Last Jedi on Monday morning. And mind you, he's three and a half. Oh. <laughs> that was a bit of a gamble. He had yeah. never been in a movie theater before. And <laughs> luckily it was early in the day. And he really dug it. He was super into it, and he just kept pointing at the screen when, look, Daddy, TIE Fighters! Oh, look, Daddy, Porgs! That's right. It, was, oh, it was such a good time, dude. It was so good. And uh, the next day, man, I took my dad to see the movie at the St. Louis Science Center at the Omnimax, which is, you know, the big, it's IMAX dome-shaped theater. So cool. Uh, super humongous, man. So big, so good. Surprisingly enough, Raj and I, we talked about this earlier today. You have these people who are still so bent out of shape about the movie. And look, I get it. You know, it's not for everybody. But there's so much, like, vehement hate, I guess, just from a small contingent of people. And, you know, what it made me think of is I can't really think of anything else that has come out in any other art medium where people have just kept up their constant complaining about it the people who didn't like it. I mean, plainly, tons of people liked it. For God's sake, the numbers don't lie. Oh, the public hated it. Well, they vote with their dollars, and boy, they voted yes a lot. But, I mean, you take something that was as poorly, or that was as divisive, let's say, as this, in the music realm was Metallica's album, uh, St. Anger. Man, people crapped all over it. But after the album had been out, for a month and some change, people weren't still on a daily basis looking for anybody talking about it to tell them and butt in how much it sucked, you know? So this, this has some real staying power. Yeah. More than, more than any other film, absolutely more than any other Star Wars film that I've ever seen. It's been the most polarizing Star Wars film, I think ever. People are arguing still about it. People are talking shit on People that made it. Ryan Johnson came out a couple times and put people in their place, but in a very cool way on Twitter. I think what's great about Ryan Johnson's approach, man, is he's he's just trying to have some fun. He legitimately listens to people's arguments. He'll engage people and, and without like flipping his lid. And one of the things that made the rounds that I think I think what was off putting about it was people the the term. He dropped the mic on on the haters, and because that has this a ne- very negative connotation, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, going out with you know, flipping them off both hands. Hey, here it is. But he told this little story through <laughs> through pictures, pictures, which is yeah. what he does, which is brilliant. And it just you know, this guy's like, there was no basis for this force projection. And he takes a series of images where he's walking towards a bookshelf in his house and pulling down this book, (laughs) The Path of the Jedi. So cool, man. And and goes to it. And it's like, you cheeky bastard. That's how it came across. But it was funny. It was one of those things where even if you hated the guy, you would have to smile and laugh about it. Oh, yeah. And that sort of engagement, man, it rules. They're in that period of, you know, sort of the media push where this is what they're doing. It's the director is still going out and sitting down and having like more in-depth interviews about the process and, you know, about the things they thought about leaving in and those kinds of things. And 
the people who want to hate on it are taking that as the proof that, you know, oh, they're out there defending it. And it's like every other movie ever, literally ever. This is how they've, this is what they've done. You know, yeah. this is how your, your, your promotion cycle. Right. This is how it works. It's not just because up, they're yeah. trying to, yeah. They've made enough money on this movie now that they don't really need to do this. They're doing it because this is how it's supposed to be done. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a great poet named something Taylor that said, haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Oh, man. And that's what's happening. You mean something Swift? Taylor Seffler? Something Taylor? Sure. James Taylor? James Taylor. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> and, and right now, all I see is a hole. <laughs> uh, 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 dude, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. we are never, ever, yes. ever getting back together. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> that is the most I'll ever give Taylor Swift. Um, God damn it! That uh, song, come on. You know who had an opinion about uh, Taylor about, Swift? No, yeah, <laughs> about Ryan Johnson. Oh, was the Russo brothers. Now, the Russo brothers are very critically acclaimed. They're the ones that are going to come out with Civil War. Everybody and their mothers want them to direct their films. What are they coming out with? Civil War. Not Civil War. They came out with Civil they War did. already. They're coming out with Infinity War. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of wars going on. A lot of wars. Yeah. They were recently on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. Evidently, they're huge fans of Ryan Johnson because when Ryan Johnson got the gig to direct episode eight, they sent an email to the Disney executives saying how happy they were they picked him, mm-hmm. which is very cool. On the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, they asked both of them what they thought about The Last Jedi. So Joe actually said he took a lot of risks with the film, talking about Johnson. It's a very smart film with great transitions and shot beautifully, so we are very excited. That's what Joe said. Anthony Russo commented that people may have different expectations and opinions about the movie depending on their age. Mm-hmm. He shared an anecdote about his own daughter, This is what he had to say. It depends, though, on your age. I watched the movie with my 11-year-old daughter, who is very into serialized storytelling and novels primarily, but she loves the bigger story. And she was just thrilled throughout the movie, just connecting, making connections to the larger Star Wars universe. And just to sit next to her and see that sense of discovery and excitement in her was, you know, an amazing experience. So he also went on to say, there's difference between new fans and old fans with the film. Is which is why the movie has been taken in so many different ways and it's so polarizing depending on its audience. But overall, the two directors seem to love the movie, which is great. Yes. What do you guys think about them doing That's, it? it, it is, that what, the, was that what it sounded like? To al- you? Although it might be a legitimate, yes, we love this and you know it's great and we love Ryan Johnson. It does have a hint of, hey, we like you guys, we like him. You know, how, how about, about we though? get a you, you, you're helming something new. Maybe you don't want to direct all three of them or, you know, maybe not all of them. You know, how about we take one? I, I took a different take on it. I mm. took that. They asked the Russo brothers to direct one of the three. Uh. And, and they said no, because they had their foot into the uh, Marvel world and yeah. Wars and Civil War. And that's why they emailed the executive saying, great choice. Uh. I, that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't out of my ass. But. Yeah. So it's great to see great directors loving it. And this is not the first director that I've heard say that the movie was shot beautifully mm-hmm. and they loved it. As a piece of art form, I think we're going to look back on this thing 
10 years from now and go, wow, what a beautiful movie. I already do that right now. Yeah. Well, it's just like with the prequels, although people dislike the, uh, the prequels, you know, for what they are, they, they, they always say that he changed movie making. He, no, he transformed he movie making from then on. You, you, there'll be a timeline as far as, you know, when sound came out, when color came out and stuff like that, the prequels will be put on that timeline as far as when movies changed as well. Exactly. And we had this conversation, Eric, we had a conversation at work with guys from my work and Les was there and we talked about where do you rank? We just threw it out there. What's your, what's your ranking of star Wars films? And, and that could be a whole podcast on its own. Mm-hmm. But I said that I am a fan of the prequels. They're not my favorites, but I'm a fan of them. There's tons of things that I would take out of the prequels, but some of their shots in the prequel trilogy are the most beautiful shots and beautiful scenes you'll ever see in star Wars. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, mm-hmm. For example, I'm not a huge fan of Phantom Menace. It's probably the last in my ranking out of all the Star Wars films. <laughs> still liked it because it was Star Wars. Yeah. Still was thrilled to watch it. But the scene with Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Maul, oh. go, and the music, mm-hmm. and the whole... The set piece and, and all Everything that, yeah. about that scene is one of the greatest scenes, in my opinion, in Star Wars film. So, and, and there's scenes in Attack of the Clones that are amazing, scenes of, of uh, Revenge of the Sith that's unbelievable. Just because the movie wasn't as what you expected it to be, there's still amazing things coming out of it. So that that was my take on it. Well, I agree. The prequels are one of those things where like, I find myself watching them more of late than I ever have. And I look at them and think, man, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't more drawn to this where the whole time where I've been watching it and watching it and watching it because they're solid movies, man. Mm-hmm. It, it mean, just like anything, there's stuff in them that I could live without. I don't think I've ever seen a movie except for Pee Wee's big adventure where I was like, start to finish every second was a plus, you know, it's a good one. But, but Oh dude, that movie rules. <laughs> I'm listening to reason. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh! But but anyhow, that, yeah, don't get don't take me down that that road. I'll, oh my gosh, dude! Uh-oh, so anyway, oh we're losing my whole point we're is, losing them. <laughs> yeah, my whole point is, is the movies are great, and when you see one of the things that I've noticed is the more I see something, the more I tend to like it, as opposed to the opposite. So I took my dad to see the Last Jedi, like I was saying, and you know when we were on our way there, my dad and I. Like Star Wars, it, it's a whole long thing that we don't need to get into now. You're, you're not my therapist, but, you know, Star Wars was a big part of my childhood. And my dad took me to see A New Hope. Well, it wasn't even called that then when I was four years old. And it, anyway, it's a whole thing. And we went to see The Force Awakens together. And it made me think, man, I just took my dad to see a Star Wars movie just like he took me when I was a kid. You know, he was really into it. And then he really liked Rogue One. And so we're finally on our way to go see The Last Jedi. He, and I said, how many times have you seen it so far? He said, twice. Like, oh, get out of this so car. Cool. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> but um, he told me, he goes, you know, I just, he goes, I'm not that thrilled about the movie. Which on one hand, I was like, who are you? <laughs> but on the other hand, I was like, man, that's cool. He came over here and drove three hours to go see a movie with me because he wants to hang out with me. Very cool, yeah. And, and after we got done watching the movie, he goes, man, the more, the more times I see it, the more I like it. That's Very great. That's great. Yeah. And I think that's a really common thing with basically any of these films. And <laughs> what's not to like 
That's exactly right. And what's great about Star Wars is it brings these kind of stories and these kind of feelings. experiences and feelings mm-hmm. to, together. I mean, this, this is what it's all about. You know, and, and another movie, Rogue One, who many people don't like as much as the other Star Wars films. I love Rogue One, and I watched it again and again on Netflix, and I love it even more every time I watch it. I know Johnny, not a big fan of Rogue One. I, That's ironic. Just, just based on name in the podcast. Just the name yeah. of the oh, podcast. Oh, just based on the name. Yeah, yeah that is ironic. <laughs> The more I watch Last Jedi, I appreciate it more and I like it more. Same thing with Rogue One. Maybe it's time to go back to the uh, prequel well and start watching those again. Yeah, the, yeah, the, you know, like Schroeder said, they are they are very good movies. There's uh, redeeming qualities about each one of them, and I think they improve as the movies go on. You know, The Phantom Menace, you know, has many faults. I think uh, you know Attack of the Clones has less, and I think Revenge of the Sith has the least amount of faults in it. So I, it, it's an improving. Movie wise, as, as you go up and then you get to New Hope, and it's, it's just great from then on. Yeah, yeah you know what? I, th- I think that they all have the same amount of faults. It's just the other two have way cooler scenes <laughs> that add on to the. Perhaps, so, perhaps, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's some amazing shots in them. One thing that's cool about stuff like this, and I think my tendency personally is to find things I like about things that I have to experience not have to but you know what i'm saying to to find what i liked about it i would play in these multi-band bills do when i was doing original music and all the bands that we'd be on the bill with i'd always try to find something i liked about them rather than sit there and be like oh i hate this this sucks (laughs) there's so many things to find in there that you dig you know and i think this kind of goes back to the whole music talk of if you're passionate about it then i find interest in it But to see these things through the eyes of other people, like taking my son to see The Last Jedi, of course, I already love the movie, but seeing him love it was a big eye opener for me, seeing what it was, what his takeaway from it was. And it makes you appreciate the movie on a different level. And I think that was probably part of what happened with my dad is when we were on our way to the Omnimax theater, I was telling him, well, here's the reasons you should like it, dad. But <laughs> it's it's seeing it's experiencing something through another slant that maybe maybe you didn't pick up on before and watching a watching a kid being in the movie, the in a movie theater for his very first time oh, ever. Man, up on the very first frozen Coke he's ever had. In his oh, life, my gosh. Watching that stuff. Dude, it was so, it was really something to see. And it's like, that's how you're supposed to love something. That's it's the exactly way he right. loves this right now. That must have been amazing. Oh, it was something. Did you guys see that John Williams received a nomination for Best Original Score? 50, what a surprise. 51st 51st nomination. nomination. More than any that's person amazing. currently living. Mm-hmm. Right. John Williams received his first Oscar nomination. I thought Meryl Streep had more... Uh... More act. She has the acting. No, I know. I'm, I'm she, has, she has 21, right? No, 19? she has like 172. 100, yeah. yeah. It, right. it, it, if she, even if she's not in the movie, she just gets nominated for shiggles. Yeah. yeah for exactly. being, you know, being Mill Street. Yeah. <laughs> every year. He won his first one, John Williams, in 1967. His first nomination. Can you think of what movie that was? <laughs> You're probably not going to get it. Mm-mm. It was The Valley of the Dolls. Wow. And he received. Wait, wait, wait. The psychedelic? Uh huh. The psychedelic one, which was wow. off a book, very popular book. Yes. Yeah. He received his 50th nomination two years ago for The Force Awakens. So fittingly, the composer's 51st nomination, which is this year, comes 51 years after the first one. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is nuts, man. 
He Neat, is man. unbelievable. Yeah, he is awesome. Congratulations, Sean Williams. I wonder how many he's won. I don't know exactly how many he's won. Probably uh, enough to make a, a separate room in his house. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you it's, I'm going to say he's won 15 or 12. I say more than that. You think so? I, th- I, I would say. Check. We got to fact check this. I'd Boo, say at least like it. 20s. Boo, get on it. Fact All check right. it. So we also got a solo funeral in the works. Did you hear about this today? It came out today. We're going to play a clip from the Star Wars show. Ryan Johnson author Jason Fry spoke about the new upcoming novelization of the Star Wars Last Jedi. Jason Fry mentioned that he and director worked together to write entirely new scenes for the book, including Han Solo's funeral. Now, if you watch this clip, you'll see that the deleted scenes are in this clip. Remember that caretaker rave thing I mm-hmm. talked about? Mm-hmm. That is in the video. Deleted in the video. It's in the, oh, you see him. No, you no, see no. Ray running. She's very upset. At oh, Luke. that's right. That's and right. And you see the caretakers rocking out in the background. Yeah. He goes to explain, well, let's just play it for you. When I was a kid, when a movie I loved would come out, I would ride my bike to the grocery store and I would get the novelization. And action! I was very lucky I got to sit down up at Skywalker Ranch and meet with the author who wrote the novel for it, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson and I had an amazing conversation. We got to write entirely new scenes for the book. Han Solo's funeral, Rose and Paige Tico together, and further explorations of the fascinating world of Cantabite, to name just a few. Got to talk through some interesting additional scenes from the film. That old legend of Luke Skywalker that you hate so much, I believed in it. That's kind of the fun stuff you can get into a novel that you can't always get onto the screen. Give me everything. I'm very happy that we got to do this novel. I hope you will enjoy it. All right, so there you go. That was Ryan Johnson and Jason Fry talking about working together on the novelization. What, what do you think about this, Eric? This video, the rave, the caretakers, the, the rave taking Molly, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> so it kind of makes you wonder about that scene where Ray cuts through the rock and it falls down and knocks that cart. Yep. And the caretakers look up there. Was that like just a bunch of like a huge thing of drugs for the party? It was a whole you cart know. of That's Molly and funny. Yeah, all kinds of ass yeah. and mushrooms. They're so pissed. They're getting like, ready just to get crazy. The party's over right there. Oh. They're like, well, fuck it, we're done. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. I got to say, I'm glad it wasn't in the movie, personally. Me but, too, buddy. Can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine people already hating on the movie? Can you imagine if that oh, scene yeah. was in the movie? Oh, yeah, God. I don't. Yeah. But, you know, after the green milk thing, I think that would have. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I would have thought it was cool. It'd be cool to see. It'll be cool to see if it's on the Blu-ray release like they're saying it's going to be. Oh, yeah. But I'm glad it wasn't in there. My personal take on the novelizations is, you know, I've had people tell me, oh, man, you got to read the Revenge of the Sith novelization because blah, 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 whatever, you know. Well, on one hand, I get it, but it still is never going to trump the film ever. Especially if you've seen the movie first mm-hmm. <laughs> in every single case you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, because in The Force Awakens, there was a few things where Snoke actually, like, speaks to Rey via the Force. Man, I'm glad that's not considered part of canon, even though it's in the novelization where it makes us this, this whole fuzzy thing. So I'm not really that hip to it, you know? Eh, 
I, I still think it's cool. It, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'm definitely gonna watch every scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. I'll even the rape scene. I'll even like probably like it. The, yeah, that that should be the first thing I'm gonna do is, is watch the, the deleted scenes. Or if there's an option for them to be put all together, because some movies have it where they'll put the deleted scenes with the theatrical release movie, so you watch the entire movie. Oh yeah. So if they have that, that's what I'll do. But if they're separate, yeah, the first thing I want to see are the, are the, the uh, deleted scenes. Yeah, they'll have it separate. That's mm-hmm. what they'll do. They won't put them all together. It's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Ray looked great. Ray looked cool running. Ray yeah, she looked did. Cool, pissed off at Luke. She just mm-hmm. like yells at Luke. The uh, check out the entire episode. The episode's pretty cool. They're actually on Star Wars cruise liner, mm-hmm. and uh, they're having fun on there. And we have a runtime for Han Solo. It looks like Han Solo. Will be two minutes and twenty. I'm sorry, two hours and twenty three minutes long. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it's a short film. Two minutes. Shit, man. Owen, Owen, best much of a story short. then. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's two hours and twenty three minutes long. It's the second longest running Star Wars movie ever. We have that to look forward to, and it looks like the trailer and IMAX version has been completed, and has been going through the final stages to be released for the and, Super Bowl. Well. You know, Jason was on, and he said if you had to guess, <laughs> uh, it would be out on the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it looks like that is what we're going to get. Anything else on the Star Wars front, Mr. Struthers? The only thing, other thing I would touch on is, you know, the movie also got nominated for sound editing and sound mixing. Yes, which, that's right. That's a weird one to, to gauge. But for somebody who, who does audio production work, I got to say, the, the movie was very well done. And that's it's harder than you think, man. I would imagine. It's harder than you think. Something that I've gotten into very recently is taking Blu-rays and getting the 5.1 mix off of it as individual stems so I can like analyze how they mixed it. That's what did crazy. they put where to improve the space? And uh, it's really cool because for one, if you ever want to grab like voice clips out of a movie, that's the way to fly because you can find it that like in the center channel, there'll be less music on it. Oh, you can just get it without the music. That's fantastic. It's not a hundred percent isolated, but it's definitely better than a, just a stereo bounce down. It's pretty cool. That is very pretty cool. cool. But, but then best visual effects. I don't know what's going to beat it as far as the realism of it. Unsurpassed in my opinion. Because there's so much of it when you're looking at it. I was really thinking about this when I'm watching it on that Omnimax screen, and it's like bigger than the sun up there. <laughs> and so much of it, I mean, none of that exists. None of it's real, except it looks 100% real. It does. I think the only thing that'll give it a run for its money is Blade Runner 2049, because that was mm, visually. I still wonderful. haven't seen that. Visually, IMAX, that was yeah. right less, and you saw it too, but mm-hmm. that was very, very well done. But again, the crate scenes, oh man, <sighs> Jesus. Yeah. That is, uh, just give him the, the Oscar for that. <laughs> Holy hell. The only other thing I'll add about that is I, I wish Star Wars, I wish they would get a best actor nod at some point, you know? And you take somebody like Mark Hamill, who, in my personal opinion, I thought he crushed it in this movie. Yeah, he was great. And I don't know, because Ryan Johnson sort of hinted at, you know, the Oscar-worthy performance of Mark Hamill in this. And if you believe all the hate videos, his his acting was pretending like he liked it. But right. he did he did such a good job. And, you know, there was a lot of good good acting moments in this. So that that's, 
I, I just wish it would be, it wasn't just on technical things that yeah, it was getting Yeah, and, and most of the time, Star Wars is mm-hmm. always on the technical yeah. side mm-hmm. of it. It doesn't get right. much due respect. Acting-wise. Yeah, acting-wise. Yeah. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Sir Alec Guinness was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for New Hope, mm. if I'm not mistaken. He didn't win, but I believe he mm-hmm. was nominated back in, back in the day. <laughs> well, speaking of Oscar noms, we can start getting into um, the Oscar nomination. What I want to do is this week we're going to talk about Best Picture for Oscar nominations, and then we'll do maybe Best Actor, Best Actress. I haven't seen all the Best Picture films, but what we should do... But wait a minute. Before we get to that, yeah. I have the answer to the John Williams question. Oh, please, please, please. So let me take a roundtable guess, you know, Struthers and Les and yourself. How many Oscars has John Williams won? One. Okay. I'm going to say... Four, four, uh, well, no, one in total, actually. Yeah. Yeah. How many Oscars One in has, total. No, no, no. How many, yeah, in his entire career, how yes. many Oscars has he won? Okay. I'm going to say 14, and it's probably less than that. Less? I'm going to say 20, and it may be a little less than that. Struthers? I don't know, 23. Mm, you are all way off. It's way lower. Way off. He has won a total of five. That's it. He has won <gasps> five, five Oscars. 51 nominations. Holy hell. Can I, can I, you're going to tell me the movies? Yes, I am. Okay, let me guess. Okay. Is E.T. one of them? Let me go in order of when his first one won. Okay. He won Best Music uh, Score Adaptation and Original Song Score for Fiddler on the Roof. That mm. was 1972. Okay. Um, best music original score for uh, Star Wars, you know, New Hope. Okay. Uh, best music original score for E.T. Yes, I was right on that one. And that was uh, 1982. Close Encounters got to be there. Let's see here. Uh, best original score for uh, Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. Well, Eastlick Perlman, yeah. And then his final Great win. One. Oh, no, that's all of them. My that's bad. all of them. That's all of them. Yes, wow. but for Close Encounters, he was nominated but did not win. Did not win. Okay. Five. Five out of 51. I knew it was something really low. Damn, I should have stuck with my 12. Yeah, but his trophy, I mean, that's still pretty good. Oh, the there's mantle. a boatload of yeah, other, like, Oscars. Golden Globes. Yeah, he's won Golden Globes and all kinds of stuff. He has, like, stuff. 240 nominations yeah. included uh, yeah. all together. Yeah, he has an entire He's the room. greatest composer in the history of music. Yes. Um, hands down. I mean, it doesn't... He's won a, a boatload of Grammys, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. yeah. He sure has. Yeah. Plus, he also... Did the theme for the Olympics that everybody knows? Oh, that is him. Oh, that's cool. He made that. That is his music. That's awesome. And everybody knows that yeah. theme as yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, you song. hear that shit. You're like, oh, fuck, the Olympics are on. Exactly, right. <laughs> Something that's interesting about the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the nomination. Um, do you know what he lost or who he lost to for that? No, no idea. Himself for Star Wars. Oh, it was the same year? That's funny. That's same year. Funny. Yeah, I wonder how many of those years he had multiple. It's very possible that he had multiple nominations. Well, let's talk about Best Picture. Like I always said, what I want to do is let's do a game. Mm. Let's, let's all pick... Our Oscar winners, mm. our, our predictions, our predictions. For I don't know if you e- want to do this, Raj. Why is that? Because it backfired on you last time you predicted. No, Oscar I still yeah. believe La La Land won. La La Land did win. That's what I heard. I turned the TV off. 
La La Land won. La La Land should have won. Moonlight shouldn't have won. You did turn the TV off and we had to turn it back on to actually see what the fuck was going on. We literally turned off television when La La Land won. Oh, you mic dropped? I mic dropped. You literally mic dropped. Yes. Thank God for social media. That's the first time I've been happy for social media. Yeah. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. Let's do our winners, and we'll pick them, and we'll see who got the best ones. I bet you Eric wins, even though he hasn't watched the movie all year. I bet you. (laughs) He's only seen Star Wars all year. So we'll do best picture, best actor, best actress. We'll do the big ones. Music, obviously. We'll do all the big ones, and then we'll tally them up. So the best picture nominations, we'll talk about this this week real quick. Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside, Ebbing, Misery. Now, Logan got snubbed on this one. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think. Logan I did got too. snubbed on a few things. A lot of we things. A lot of things, yeah. don't have enough time to record. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll tap into that. But it did get later. nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, which is pretty cool. Uh, at least they got that uh but but, you know it is what it is yeah (laughs) how many of these movies have i seen i've seen get out i've seen the post i've seen three billboards outside ebbing and that is it i have not seen dunkirk yet and i heard it's amazing so those are your best picture movies we'll talk about let's pick let's pick now out of these and then we'll mark them as we go so what is your best picture winner boo you go on this one I want to say Dunkirk. Okay. Les? I'm going to go ahead and say The Shape of Water. Okay. Eric? I've not seen any of them. I, it's okay. You don't have to. You can guess. Uh, honestly, just based on any of the footage I've seen, I'd probably say Dunkirk. Okay. Mm-hmm. And best picture, I am going to go with The Shape of Water. No, fuck a duck. You got to roll with it, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really think... If that's your gut, you got to go with it, yeah. That he... Del Toro has definitely put together, yeah, and I haven't seen it. A so. very solid deal, and it's it's about time he gets his due. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, there it is. Your your best picture noms. So let's move on to Tomb Raider. Ah, yes. the Tomb Raider trailer came out. You know, video game movies are notoriously bad. We've had podcasts dedicated to this, <laughs> but this one might be the saving grace for this genre of film it looks really good it does it does look it, really it really good. does has it has it a, a uh an academy award winner it sure does and at the helm, but yeah. the other two had an academy award winner also did but she after win? the fact yeah after the but fact. she didn't win at that she wasn't after a winner fact. at that point uh, angelina jolie angelina jolie was not the same actress when she made tomb raider no no she was going on dates with her brother back then so, <laughs> and, no. and, and carrying around vials of blood yeah she's carrying billy bob's blood were, around were that bad oh the first one was very good the second one was crap first tomb raider was all right the first the one was good one was because garbage. it was cool and it encapsulated the game and all that and you felt yeah you like you're watching the game the second one was shit mm-hmm. it's been yeah. 15 years since we've seen the live action laura croft on the big screen right and that was the form of angela jolie mm-hmm. so this one looks pretty good and we're going to play you the trailer Right now. I thought I saw Dad again. I think I'm going mad. Laura, your father's gone. At some point, we have to face up to who we are. Who we're meant to be. 
I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It will be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. What are you doing here, Laura? Seven years I've been on this island. Your father, he put me here. Now I see the likeness, intelligence, the recklessness. What do you know about my father? Laura, there was more to my life than boardrooms and business deals. There's an organization called Trinity. It's looking to start a global genocide. Your dad, Junior, had a bigger holiday. He had a knack for the unexpected. You must stop them, Laura. Promise me. Go! Ladies first. Open the tomb! It's your finger that's pulling this trigger. You messed with the wrong family. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's very visual. And Alicia Vikander looks fantastic in mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't look so sexualized like the um, Angela Jolie version. Yeah, she's she's not walking around the jungle in short shorts. No, she looks actually like the Tomb Raider that's out now. The yeah, video, the video game, game that's out yeah. now. I like mean, an actual pretty, like dead on person. Yeah. yeah, the actual person, not like the crazy <laughs> computer game version of it. So this is really cool because another strong female role. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going to kick ass. Mm-hmm. Very Indiana Jones-ish. What do you think about this, Les? You played Tomb Raider back in the day. Actually, no, I never played Tomb Raider. I don't I know watch people play. I don't know anything about you. Yeah, you don't know much. Boo, no. you played Tomb Raider back in the day? I would have to say no. All of you are sexist. No. I'm just kidding. Wait, I think I think that would make I'm us... I'm going to ask this very well, weird... Well, actually, that would be opposite. Would, hold question, on. Carlos. How old were you when Tomb Raider came out? He was two. <laughs> when did Tomb Raider come out? <laughs> Oh, uh, the great Yeah, question. seriously. Probably right? over like 20 years ago. 99? 90. Yeah. If it's 99, I was six. Oh, jeez. <sighs> but okay. going back to you, what you say being sexist, I think that would make us less sexist. Yes, you're right. It would make you less sexist. Yeah, because uh, we're, we're not playing a game that, uh, not that objectifies women, but... It did objectify women. It, well, yeah, but, but it you know, makes a woman have to wear short shorts and be bodacious, top-wise. Bodacious in is, order uh, In order to be, you know, encapsulating. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But Laura Croft was a badass. She's oh, a she's badass. a badass. So I've I've seen gameplay, obviously, and a lot of my friends played it. Yes, was it objectifying? Obviously, but that was part of the appeal. But seeing the trailer and looking at Alicia Vikander, she looks fit. She looks mm-hmm. built for this. She looks actually like an adventurer, which is Laura yes, Croft. She does. So and that's what I loved about the trailer. Thing, mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't look like oversexed or any of that stuff. It just she looks like she belongs there. She she knows what she's doing. She's coming into her own as the Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're using it's coming directly from the video game. Yeah, which is very cool. So fans of the game mm-hmm. will be very excited about that. So here's a we're going to segue into a piece that we did, and it has something to do with female roles and strong female roles. And kids watching that. Mm. So let's segue into that. You might be wondering why we're playing Taylor Swift on this show. I say I'm too late. 
That's because it's time for the Minutes with, with the, the Nieces. All right, so this is a new segment. We, we've had the Minutes with the Misses before, but this time we have Minutes with the Nieces. I have my niece-in-law, which is pretty much my niece. It's Lorena's and Boo's niece. I'll introduce you to her. Skyly is here with us. Skyly, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I know this could be like intimidating being in front of a microphone, but look, you're around just our game room. We're having fun. Yeah. We got Star Wars stuff around. I'm, I am really happy. Now, I brought Skyly in here because we're going to do this segment. Now, we normally talk about stuff that us adults go crazy over, Star Wars, Marvel stuff, DC stuff, stuff that is, was pr- pretty much intended for young audiences. And I want to get Skyly's take. So Skyly, how old are you? Ten and a half. Now, what are your favorite stuff to watch? What, like, what's your favorite? I know you saw Last Jedi. You saw it with your Uncle Boo. Mm-hmm. I know you saw Wonder Woman this year. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know it was awesome. I know it was awesome. So we're going to get into But what's like some stuff on TV that you watch, like kid-wise, uh, as a 10-year-old kid? Andy Mack. Andy Mack. I heard that's huge. My, really? my nieces also love Andy Mack. Yep, yep. What else? I like to watch a lot is um, Mean Girls. Mean Girls? Yeah. The movie Mean Girls? That's cool. I've seen that. Let's talk about Last Jedi. Okay. Because a lot of our listeners are huge Star Wars fans. Yeah. And I want to get the perspective. I want to get the, the opinion of someone that's in like elementary school like you are. Okay. Uh-huh. You're 10 years old. You're going to be 11 soon. Mm-hmm. What was your take? Meaning, what did you like about The Last Jedi? I loved it. My favorite part is when Ben Solo is like moving the, the lightsaber with his force and just like slices the um, Emperor. Oh, the, well, the, uh, the Snoke? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting you call him Ben. You, what do you think about Ben Solo? I think that I don't think he has evil in him. You don't think he has evil anymore in him? No. You think you could forgive him for doing that to your favorite character from the last movie? I could, but it's going to be really hard for me to do that. <laughs> me too. I, I definitely. It was sad. It was sad. And I don't think I could ever forgive him. When I saw him helping Ray, yeah. I was very excited that he was helping her. But in the same time, I was thinking to myself, there's no way that I'm going to like you. Don't try to make me like you, buddy. Don't try to make <laughs> me like you. So that, that's how I felt. So I know I totally understand. Okay, now, what, who's your favorite character in this whole Star Wars franchise? I'm not talking about the last ones. I, I want to know who's your favorite character in the last two, The Force Awakens and now this one. Still Rey. You love Rey. I love her. Okay, now, why do you like Rey? What is so cool about Rey? Because we find out in the last movie that, we, that she just looks like a normal girl and stuff, and then, but, but at the end of the movie, she figure out that she has the force that's right and she's powerful and she's yeah. strong and she's stronger than ben solo and she wants to like fight against the um the um emperor snoke or if, yeah. we don't even know if he's an emperor right yeah they cut him in half before they told us yeah what what is your opinion on princess leia she is amazing she is a great <laughs> captain she's a great mm-hmm. uh, like she's like a general em- right yeah and she's a great princess mm-hmm. cool okay let's move so overall you love the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. You'd watch it again. Watch it over and over again. <laughs> okay, great. That's awesome. Okay, now let's move to Wonder Woman okay. real quick. What did you think about Wonder Woman? I, th- I have a feeling that you really loved it. I loved it. I loved 
the characters. I loved everything about it. When you see Wonder Woman, the, uh-huh. the actress Gal Gadot, mm-hmm. when you see her on screen and see her like kicking butt and being strong, how does how does that make you feel as a as a ten year old girl? Is that something when you look at and you go, "Wow, that is just she, I, she's like being a role model." She is right, like to little girls and stuff. Very cool. See, this is why I have you on here. <laughs> Maybe you should replace your Uncle Boo. Okay. You think yeah, so? Yeah. I'll just 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 send in my check every month. <laughs> in my I check will, every week. I will give you exactly how much I gave your uncle. Okay. All right. Deal? Yeah, deal. Okay. All right. Last question. I'll do it for free. Oh, you will do it for free? Yeah. I'll I do appreciate it for that. Free. I really appreciate that. Is your it? uncle does it for free, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can send me zero dollars. I'm okay with that. All right. I'd rather be on here than get money. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I don't want to take all your time up. We have stuff to do, right? Yeah. We're going miniature golfing. Yep. <laughs> We're going to a place called Boomers. Yep. You ready for it? Yeah. Maybe we'll do laser tag. Yes. I love laser tag. Do you love laser tag? Yeah, I would do that for my 10th birthday. Maybe you can pretend you're Ray. Oh. But here, hold on. Here's the last question of, of okay. the day. If I give you an option of being Ray, Princess Leia. Okay. Or being Wonder Woman. Okay. Out of those three, which one would you pick and why? Ray. Okay, why, why Ray? I love that she has the force. I love that she's powerful. And I love that she is showing up to girls. All these three characters are role models to little girls and everybody. So that's why I want to be Ray because she's is being a role model to every single little girl. She absolutely is. And then it's important to see that on screen, right? Yeah. So when people say, wow, Star Wars and these movies, there's too much girls on these, on, in these movies. What do you say to that? I say... There should be more girls because back in like the 1980s, people would be saying, oh, only, girls are only good for cooking, cleaning. No, girls are good for everything. They could do anything guys can do, right? Or even better. Yeah. I think you're going to take over this show. Once I retire, I'm giving you this, this podcast. Is that cool? Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> so we started a new segment and then we're going to keep doing this segment every time something comes out where you can go watch and you can give us a little feedback. Okay. So this has been the first inaugular. Inaugular? <laughs> Did I say it right? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go with first annual Minutes with the Nieces. Say bye. Bye. All right, let's dive into some Marvel and DC news. Les will be happy about this. Marvel's Studios president was interviewed by Malton on the Movies podcast. And Mr. Fajay, Fajay is eager to have the characters back. Mm. from the X-Men. He has even spoken about a specific moment he wanted to show since 2000's X-Men, saying, in the comic books, there was this great panel at the time where Magneto would use his magnetic powers to take a gun and split it into all its components and all its parts. So it was an amazing drawing, and I had it up on my desk. And I went, wouldn't it be cool to do that? No, we couldn't do that. We had to have wires lifting them in the shotgun and turn it around, and it was impossible to do. Hmm. But now they can do it. Do you remember this panel, Les? Didn't they do this in X-Men film? Well, no. It, uh, the scene that you're thinking of is when they walk out of, I think, a museum or something like that, and all the cops are there. Yes. Magneto takes the weapons from the cops and turns them towards them. Oh, yes. Cocks the guns That's and everything. Right. Uh, he also pulls the trigger on one of them and stops the bullet just before the guy's forehead. So yeah. the, gun, the bullet is spinning. Into his skin. Oh, I don't remember that. So, yes. Yeah, so, so, the guy's in excruciating pain, and there's a bullet just waiting to That's go through right, his brain. Yeah. Is this in the new version? No, this is in the first X-Men movie. Okay. But a lot of people have a problem with that because bullets are made out of lead. Nine times out of ten, 
Mm. Lead is not a magnetic metal. The magic of cinema. Yeah, but but that's something we have people flying around and controlling the weather. But, so but you that's just comic books. Yeah, that's like comic book hand wavy. Oh, yeah, this can happen. Those are the same ones uh, that are going crazy as, about the Last Jedi. Exactly. As, as far as like pages and panels, I really can't remember. I do remember uh, him actually holding nukes mm-hmm. from Asteroid M. He's actually in control of them. Amplified by Asteroid M, and he's holding nukes at like all the major capitals oh, that's cool. of the planet. And he's like, "If you guys don't listen to me, I'm going to wipe out this this island and all your capital." People are like, "Oh shit!" And Nick Fury's like, "We got to do something about this." So, yeah, there. I mean, Feige's right. Fox kind of didn't handle it a certain way. Yeah, who's so Feige? Didn't isn't that who he? Kevin no, it's Fige. It's Fige. Fige. I'm kidding. <laughs> I better be careful. Sorry. Go ahead. Nobody's right. I mean. Why not be able to create those things? Why not have them put those things together and do it themselves? It is just a yeah. Let's get it back where it belongs and let Boo Boo had a nightmare the other night. Oh, oh no. tell people Boo, about yeah. your nightmare, Boo. Yeah, no, this was bad. For some reason, uh, I, I'm at work and I hear news that the Disney uh, Fox deal is is broken apart. It's it's over. It doesn't happen. And this I'm just like, guy is dreaming about that. Yeah. Shit. I was like, I, I told the Raj, even, that is a true nightmare. God damn I know. It. I told the Raj, I told the Raj, this is a dream. I was like, when I said it out loud, I'm like, fuck that. That's a fucking nightmare. And at work, I'm like, no, what does that mean? What's going to go on? What's happening? I was like, I was having like an actual world like, on fire. Yeah. I was like, like having a ground open up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Satan's there. Like, ha ha ha. Yeah. I was having a panic attack. Yeah. I was having like a breakdown. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I was like, holy shit. All right. This, all right. That's pretty bad. I'm having nerd. Nightmare Murdoch here. is sitting there going, psych. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Yeah. Here, here's a question for you guys. <laughs> Have you ever had a dream where you're so excited? I think Johnny talked about this uh, on his solo podcast, and I was thinking about this. Have you ever had a dream Uh-oh. where you're so upset to when you woke up, you're like, fuck. I fucking, that was, I wish that was real. God damn it. I remember mine specifically. Do you guys remember any of yours? Yes, do. you do. Boo, ahead, boo, you go first. Oh uh, no, I, I I can't share mine. Oh on, shit! On the uh, on the uh, audio recording oh, okay. devices. Gotcha. Is yeah. Mariah Carey involved in yours? She was oh, actually. No. Yeah. How did I know that? It's awful. <laughs> oh. oh lord. Last, you know, let's move on. Last, how about you? Anything? No. Uh, uh. Yeah, but no. So I think it's really embarrassing. Oh man! All you, oh, you got to share it then. If well, it's, it's very embar- embarrassing. Go ahead. Yes, please. please. The hole. We won't judge you. We're not like that <laughs> on this podcast. Come on, hole. What a tease. No, you're not gonna do it. The only time I had a dream that felt really, really real. Was... Real? Then you woke up upset that you woke up that it's not real. No, I woke up scared to death. Oh, okay. It got it, and I that was works. like, "Oh no, this is not good." You're gonna be a dad. No, <laughs> I was a little kid. I, I swear he to was going to be a mom. So I, was, I was a little kid, probably about maybe ten, and I a view to a kill, James Bond. Yeah, yes. Hey. I don't know. That movie came out. I was really into it, and then I had a dream. I was a secret agent, and I was shooting lasers, but actually, I was pissing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting that, dude. I just burst into laughter. I was not I legit. I was not was expecting to say I like, woke up and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, you pissed yourself. No, no, no. Yeah. He's oh, you pissed on the bed. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. a okay. dream. I'm like, oh, that's sad. Oh, yeah. hell no. <laughs> like that. And I was like. I'd and, be pissed too. And this was last Literally. week, right? Literally. No, I was like, I need to change everything, but. 
weirdly. Wait, wait, wait. Was this what, like a couple months ago when you were here at the house? Uh, oh, yeah, that's why you have smelly. That's why the dogs like going in the room. <laughs> yeah, it was just a horrible experience. So you were Timothy Dalton, but you were a little kid. No, no, that's Roger Moore. Wait, View to a Kill? A View to a Kill is Duran Duran. Oh, Roger Moore's last one. That's right. Dude. Yeah, Timothy Dalton took the very next one. Christopher Walken with white hair. Yes, yes, Duran oh, Duran. Right. Grace Jones. Yeah. Yep, oh, Grace, try to remember Grace that. Jones. Okay, Eric, do you remember any of them? <laughs> any of your dreams? He's laughing already. <laughs> any dream that I had that where I woke that seemed really real would revolve around like getting the best gig ever, you know, but like for a guitar player. And then I'd wake up and realize <laughs> that none of it was real. And here I am. The <laughs> the most real dream I ever had. And I guess I woke up not wishing it was real, but in a way I did. I was a little kid. And Araj, you'll, hopefully you'll remember this. Um, there was an episode of the Flintstones, the original Flintstones cartoon, where vampires moved in next door. Oh, yeah. Flintstone! You are trapped! Stay behind me, gang. I'll protect you. Flintstone, I am determined to make Vilma my bride. Just hold it right there, pal. Do you recall this? Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Well, why are you laughing, dude? In my dream, I'm only laughing because the joke is that Eric is so old that he says, "Hopefully, Raj, you'll remember yeah, this fuck too." Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry. What are you laughing about, Les? You're right behind me, dog. <laughs> What are the Flintstones? No, oh, fuck you. Oh, my God. Just stop <laughs> it. Stop. Don't you dare. As Eric would say, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> stop sorry, it. Now, listen. I'm really sorry. That's okay, man. Go ahead. It's all right. So, so I was taking a nap when this happened, which makes it even funnier. It wasn't <laughs> like I was asleep in it, sleeping at night. But <laughs> we're watching the show in my dream, and the the vampire, like, jumps out of the 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 screen and he's in the room and my mom's like oh no hurry go hide in your bed and so I go running in there and climb up in my bunk bed and the bed is like short sheeted and I can't get the covers over my head Aww. and it was like the worst thing ever because I'm like if only I had made my bed right like my mom told me <laughs> I would be able to hide under That's here awful. and still be alive after this That's awful. <laughs> yeah dude it was a mess I man. remember that I remember that episode and the vampires were so cool in that but my only dream that I had that I actually punched my wall, <laughs> I actually woke up and I was facing the wall and I punched it. I was so pissed off. I was friends with Eddie Vedder mm. and Dave Matthews. Wow. And yeah. And those are two of my favorite people in the world mm-hmm. that I don't know. <laughs> um, and I got to go on tour with them. I didn't get to play with Dave. And people that have seen Dave know that you, you can only call Dave if you've seen Dave. So you can't just call Dave, Dave, without saying. You know what I mean? People should know that. So I got to play guitar with Eddie mm. and Pearl Jam. And it was in front of like 40,000 people in a stadium. And I was rocking out. had the best time of my life. After party. I was just with everybody. Dave Matthews was there. It was just so Sex, much. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I think there might have been some drugs. But... I woke up and I was I woke up facing a white wall and I was so fucking upset. I punched it. I was so pissed off. I was so upset. I, and I was like, "Wait, I really don't know them? Oh god, they're not my friends." Like I was really pissed. And then I pissed myself like less. Sorry. Let's go to ta- great lengths to embarrass myself for everybody, people. Hey, this is good. That's yeah. right. Be open. That's right. 
New Mutants. Next year's New Mutants got a PG-13 rating already. Oh. But Josh Boone, the director, talked to Empire in a recent interview, and he said this movie is probably the hardest PG-13 ever made. Hmm. I mean, we've pushed it. The horror is pretty dark. There's also an emotional core, too. If I can scare you and make you cry, that's the goal. Well, I ain't seeing this. So PG-13, Boo does not like horror films. Nope. But he's got to have to see this. He's on a podcast that talks about these things. I don't know. You saw it. it. You should be fine with New Mutants. The safety in this should be that they have superpowers to be able to combat whatever. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I'm just sitting in a fucking chair being terrified. Are you kidding me? Where's my superpower? My fucking popcorn? Okay. The fuck? All I got is a Coke and some popcorn. Spill it on yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's the yes. fear. Yeah. I don't know when the right time is to eat my fucking popcorn and then it's shit. I'm wearing it. No. Uh, and then. So what do you think about this new mutants shenanigan? We talked about it before, but. And people were thinking that this might be another R film for Fox because it has great success with the R films lately via Deadpool, via. Yeah, and that's understood. Ultimately, a hard PG, that's comics in general. So I know that uh, Disney's been able to pull off Avengers and and Spider-Man, you know, and all these comic movies without too much. Uh, Even the DC films, except their animated films, are actually pretty pretty rough. A PG, a hard PG is just about right. I think that would be just about right. So, and remember, PG-13 now is R 10 years yes, ago. Yes, exactly. That's true. So That's a very good It's point. just about right. It, it, it goes hand in hand. So it should be A-OK. Okay. By the way, I saw two movies that I loved. One DC, one Marvel. Saw them recently at the gym. The gym I go to in Les Goes to, we have a movie room and on treadmills and bikes in there. And I saw Doctor Strange again. Holy hell, what an amazing film. Visually, it's just oh god, it's incredible! So great. Eric, have you seen Doctor? It Strange? really is good, man. Oh great! Ooh, fuck, Eric's seen a movie. Yes, holy shit, yeah, Eric, he's wow. seen a movie. Jeez. My Eric's god, Eric's been doing his homework. Wow, Eric's been doing his homework. <laughs> Doctor Strange was really good, right, Eric? Yeah, I, I liked it, man. So I saw that one, and I, and I was so into it again that I stayed on the treadmill for the entire film. That's, that's a, right. I that's remember. that's a hell of a statement. Yes, because, it is. Uh, that's I don't like good. going on that day. Yeah, show. nobody does. <laughs> yeah. And then just the other day, I saw Man of Steel, and I know a lot of people talk shit mm-hmm. on this movie. Mm-hmm. Very good but movie. But holy shit, the last forty-five minutes to an hour of this film, mm-hmm. the visuals are unbelievable. I forgot how great the visuals are mm-hmm. and the special effects are. And I don't give a shit what you say. Seeing Superman fly in the fucking air. The way they did it in that film. Nothing better. Dude, it gives you goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And Hans Zimmer did a great job with that score. Yes. And then uh, Kevin Costner, although he only, he's, he's only on the on screen for like 20 minutes yeah. max. He's amazing. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I know we're going to get some tweets about this. because <laughs> We but, welcome them. Yes. Yeah, but I, I will stand by. I liked Man of Steel. Yeah, absolutely. No, Batman Mendesley. versus Superman is rightfully dogged. Yes, like yes, yes. Get after yeah. that one. But Man of Steel. I have no problems with that one. They really mm-hmm. shouldn't hate on that. There mm-hmm. should really not be too much hatred. And Harry Cavill looks great. Yeah, No, yeah, especially if that's just his to throw that unveiling as Superman. Yeah, yeah, he definitely He's looks He's a goddamn great. beautiful man. <laughs> especially with his butt chin. Oh, he's got a perfect butt chin, and Superman needs to have a butt chin. No, 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 but I'm saying with his, his butt chin that he has in uh, uh, the Justice League. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or the fake mustache. Yes. <laughs> a fake non-mustache. Yeah. All right. Now, Les wanted to talk about Black Lightning. 
And let me tell you, people, Les was very amped up about talking about Black Lightning. He's been talking about it all week. He's been actually prepping for this episode. He's wrote notes about it. He walks into the Sith Lair this evening, and he starts yelling out loud to himself and cussing himself out. And I thought something happened. He forgot his notes at work. But I think Les is knowledgeable enough to run this thing without notes. So we're going to see. I want to know, because I saw a commercial about what this thing is about. I thought it looked pretty cheesy. But Les is giving me his opinion on it, and it sounds like we need to take a chance on this. Eric, have you seen the commercial, at least, for this thing? No. Okay. That's, that, 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 that's actually not that far-fetched because it's on the CW, and they don't put the commercials on all the time. Have you seen it, Boo? No, I have not. You have not? Okay. What, what is going on with Black Lightning, Les? Why should we watch it? Sell it to us. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, uh, definitely us here at the Sith List, us three hosts here, we kind of stay away from the CW and some of the people that we interact with on Twitter like why the hell do you guys do that we get a lot of emails and voicemails you guys should get with it yeah we, we're not hating on the CW we don't yet. hate on the CW the, it just is what it is we just we don't have time to watch right. anything we but will try as far as getting pulled over to that direction this show should do it I definitely think it's it's worth watching it gives you a different perspective it it's not part of the Arrowverse, so I know like Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and, and Arrow, obviously, all have some kind of tie-in. Supergirl does, too. But oh, I think going I... forward, it will have potential because he, Black Lightning is a major character in DC Universe. Okay, so break it down for us. Who is he? Uh, is Jefferson Pierce. Comic-wise, he was created by Tony Isabella, if I'm not mistaken, who also wrote Luke Cage for a while. So he wrote Luke Cage for a while and then went over to DC as these writers and artists always do. They make the jump and they go different places. So yes, Jim Lee's drawn X-Men, but he's also drawing Batman right now, which looks amazing. Oh, cool. Uh, Ultimately, I think uh, Black Lightning was DC Comics, arguably maybe their first African-American character. Oh, okay. And then I think Jon Stewart followed there's also another one named Mr. Terrific. Like I said, I had research done just so I would be backing my shit up properly. And, and most people believe that Static exactly. becomes yeah, Black Lightning when he's older. And that's what I thought. And that's a big misconception. The misconception is that either Black Lightning, Jefferson Pierce is Static's father, or Static grows up to become renamed. But that is not the case. Okay. Totally different creators. Uh, Static did debut years later. Black Lightning debuted in 1977. Year before I was born, seventy-eight. I dated myself. What I noticed in the show so far, with the two episodes that have come out, the one thing that I can say I wish it was on Netflix. What will happen though? It will obviously end up on Netflix because all the CW shows do end up there. So that's gonna happen. Oh, that's cool. But it does have parallels. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. If you do watch the show, it does literally rip off Luke Cage. Like it, it almost undeniably rips Luke Cage, completely rips it off. But as I was telling Araj, there's differences. Luke Cage is an ex-con who broke, who ends up in an accident, comes out of jail. Jefferson Pierce is actually grew up on the south side of Metropolis called Suicide Slum. He grows up, transcends the hood. 
gets past the hood, becomes a major community figure, community leader, principal of the school, basically Joe Clark with superpowers. Joe for those of Clark, you, yes. Uh, that know what, who I'm talking about. Becomes a school principal, is able to broker peace and broker safe zones within the community with the gangs and all that stuff. He ultimately has to hide his powers and hide his superhero, being a superhero, because it's not a, it's a major, it's not a big secret. So as far as the books goes, it's not a big secret. As far as what's happening in the show, his wife was like, I need you to stop being a hero because we need you to be a father to your children. Luke Cage is a reluctant. He's like, I got all these enhancements, but I'm not, as depicted in Netflix, I'm not trying to go out knocking people out and breaking buildings down and stuff like that. He just happens to get drawn into it. What I will say about Black Lightning that I kind of don't like is that it's portraying something that just may become a bigger debate, and I think that is the light skin versus dark skin. Oh, they're doing that on this show? Because the villain is uh, extreme in an extremely light-skinned, Man who almost comes off as Uncle Ruckus. For those of you that watch the Boondocks, oh you shit, know who Uncle Ruckus is? Ooh. Almost really, he, he, yes. Oh fuck, because that's in the first uh, episode. He, he was a snarly dude in the first episode. That's a statement. The, one of the um, lower guys, one of the capos, says something to him, and he's like, "Oh, you really don't like black people." And he said, and he basically sounds like Uncle Ruckus. Uh, like, I don't like the thick-lipped. Dumb, dumb. Yeah, he just. Wow. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. This light-skinned dude can't be saying that. I'm hoping it doesn't go past that, but it does meet all of the political, social climbs right now. It definitely brings those things up within the first ten minutes. Of wow, that's it. that's see, that's I want to watch it now. Mm-hmm. So it tells a different point of view. Uh, not to spoil it, there's a scene where you know he ends up being accosted by the police, and it happens all the time. You know, it's just up. Oh, you know, something happened and. We're just checking up on things. And and I've been that guy where I've been driving my car and I get pulled over and it's like, hey, man, you fit the description. Liquor store, something happened. There was a break in three blocks from here. Where are you coming from? And I'm like, I just came from work. I just picked up my paycheck. I just helped tons of at-risk <laughs> yeah, youth. I yeah, I work at a nonprofit that helps at-risk youth. Surfacing the community. I yeah. fit the description? Yeah, but I'm sorry. Can we take a picture? No. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, so I've had that happen to me. Ultimately, give it a watch just because it's different. Give it a watch because it gives you a different perspective. It gives you, it should open your eyes to more things. And why not? We're already getting Black Panther. We're getting more uh, female representation. This is as much of a, a, a hat in the ring as anything else. Okay, cool. Well, I will watch. Do you want to explain real quick to some of the listeners, especially the new ones, because I know we talked about this before, what the issue is with dark skin and light skin African Americans and with each other? Well, it's I think it's with all cultures. There's a lot of of, of non-white cultures. There's, from what I can tell you, there is an issue with passable and not passable. I know in Hispanic cultures, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. right, Carlos? Absolutely. In, in Hispanic cultures, you know, the more indigenous you look, the more down, the, the more down you people are. look upon you, the, the more European is the word I want to say. The more European, the more Caucasian you look, the more favorable things are for you. No, no, I'm not talking about people outside the African community. I'm talking about the inside the community itself, where there's, you've told me that there's, there's issues inside the community. Oh, yeah. Always. Well, that's basically it. It's like, 
Well, just because you're light-skinned doesn't mean you get everything. Gotcha. Just because you're light-skinned doesn't mean you're better than me. Just because you have green eyes and you, you know, doesn't mean you're, you're no different. When it really comes down to it, you're just a Negro like I am. You yeah. know, and, and when I go to the barbershop, they're always joking. I know they're joking about it, but they always, you know, they're, they're all dark-skinned barbers and they say stuff like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm... I'm not running like a light skin brother, like, you know, like try to portray it as cowardice and all that stuff. But I know it's joking, but it's it's just something there. It's yeah. just something that throughout history, especially here in the United States, has been a major thing within. And I think within all communities, like I said, with yeah, no, absolutely Hispanic culture, within Asian culture, uh, like you said, we, you were discussing your Thailand trip, not on, on record, but when we were. You said they had the fighters, right? The the kickboxers out there. Yes. Yeah. And, and someone said, you know, you bet on the darker fighters because they're the, the guy, ones. Yeah, the guy told me you always bet on the darker fighters because you know that they're they're fighting for their next right. food and on when, their plate. When you watch huh. Brazilian soccer, the more African looking Brazilians are the better players. Like they're because they have to work from the favelas up. They have they have it doubly hard. It just breeds in, in a discontent and animosity within each community when there's just different shades of the skin color. Gotcha. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that just in case some of the, our new listeners haven't listened to our episodes before that we had whole conversations about this. But thanks, man. So it's relevant, maybe 2018, we got all kinds of issues coming up. Yeah, so yeah, right, we, right. deep, we haven't gotten deep in a while. No, we haven't. Syphilis hasn't gone there in a, in, a, in a few episodes, so why not now? Yes. So Black Lightning, give it a shot. Les says gives it the Syphilis seal of approval. We haven't watched it yet, but we're going to now. And Eric Schroeder is going to make an effort to watch Black Lightning. I just may, man. You just never know what's going to happen. You just don't know with Eric. <laughs> you just don't know. All right, guys. Lastly, let's get into an email. Let's do a couple of voicemails. Our email is a real quick one. It's from Rob Cassava, our man Rob. And he writes, hey, Sithers. I don't think we've ever been called Sithers. I don't think so. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Happy New Year. Guys, I have to say that you were awfully tough on my man Eric Struthers last week. Wow. Someone's sticking up for you, Eric. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. He says, chin up, Eric. Just take it one show and one episode at a time. That's what I have to do to keep current with the podcast. That's true. (laughs) Also, my 10-day bout with pneumonia over Christmas gave me an excuse to do nothing but watch a lot of TV. By the way, The Defenders was pretty good, but that Iron Fist guy blows. There you go. Later, Rob. Thanks, Rob. I agree with you. Iron Fist guy does blow. Eric should keep his chin up. And I'm glad you're getting better from pneumonia. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, especially during Christmas. Fuck. Yeah, being sick during the holidays is the worst. I think, Les, you were sick during the holidays. I was. Did you get it from uh, Rob? All right. Just want to make sure. (laughs) All right. Now we have two voicemails that we're going to play tonight. One from Neil from Chicago and one from our man, His Majesty himself. King Tom. Oh. All right. All right. Let's listen to Neil from Chicago. Hey, Sith Listers. It's uh, Neil from Chicago giving you a call. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since I talked to you guys, but um, since the last time I called, uh, Last Jedi dropped. Um, amazing movie. Um, not without its flaws, but definitely uh, earned its place um, among all the other movies. Um, I had an interesting point of conversation um, that I got from a friend of mine um, and definitely wanted to get your opinion on it. So one of the things that obviously happens in The Last Jedi is when Rey goes down into the the pit of darkness or whatever you want to call it where she sees herself in the mirror 
um, and her, she's doing the snapping and all that. You know, as she's looking at the mirror, you see two people coming toward her, obviously, and it ends up just being her own reflection. But at the same time in the movie, Luke is reattaching himself to the Force. So my friend gave me a theory that what if Luke intentionally blocked what Ray was about to see, uh, either because it's not, you know, it shouldn't happen right now, or, you know, she'd take that knowledge and then there'd be a different, you know, outcome of when she goes to see Kylo. So I thought that was definitely uh, a point of uh, conversation um, that was worth discussing. So hopefully this will make it for uh, next episode. Uh, but anyway, again, thanks again for what you guys do, and uh, talk to you soon. Neil, thank you for the voicemail. It was awesome. I'm so glad that you liked The Last Jedi. I'm glad that you guys are having adult conversations and not hating on each other <laughs> about it. Boo, you want to take this one? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so what, what I think what I think they were doing is really pushing the idea before it was actually being said that she knows everything. She's just repressing what she already knows. Uh, she knows that she knows who her parents are. She just doesn't want to realize that she was just left and and traded for space booze. You know, essentially, she was she was uh, alien rum. Yes, yeah, probably. Yeah, she, she was just a bartering uh, or, a, or a or a bargaining chip. That's it. Just just to get space booze. She doesn't want to realize that. She doesn't want the idea that her parents didn't love her, don't want her, don't didn't care about her. You know, like uh, like uh, Kylo said, he wasn't wrong. Your parents didn't want you. You know, to to them, you were nothing, and nobody wants to realize that. But she finally does. So I I think that's the idea that they're pushing. That yes, there are two people. Of course, you know she has parents, but she knows who they are. And and I think but we you didn't uh, think Luke had any. No, no, I, I don't think he had. Any, and, and I think us not seeing them pushes the idea that it doesn't matter who her parents are at all. Yeah, they they're just two people. That's it. And and at the end of it all, she sees a reflection of herself. Mm-hmm. Which is she is her own parents. Pretty like much, yeah. She raised about. herself. Yeah, yeah. She kept. Yeah, herself she's done alive. everything for herself. Exactly. She's been the one to exactly, exactly. parent herself. Mm-hmm. Good answer. You good with that, Les? Yeah, I'm a okay with that. Struthers, you good with that? I'm mostly good with it, but let me let me send it out a little bit further. Oh, please. Because man, I've thought a lot about this. I've probably thought too much about it. Actually, I think that that the point it's trying to make to the audience and to her both are that it doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter if they were someone or if they weren't someone. The sum of your life right now is completely based on what you've done. It's not that they weren't anybody. It's that it just doesn't matter who they are because every, everything she has, everything she's achieved has been because of herself, which is really close to what you're saying, you know, but it's there's this other layer to it where her her parentage is insignificant on both ends, right? Mm-hmm. So whether she does know who they are or not, it doesn't matter. And so many pieces of that. Okay, so how there's there's tons of rays all in this line, and the whole thing with the you know the mirror looking in the mirror, looking in the mirror where she's moving her hand and. And like does the snap and it mm-hmm. goes across in like this real weird 14, eight time signature thing. <laughs> and it's, that's done to show that 
We get okay, it, so Struthers. You know you're a musician. We get it. Fourteen. <laughs> well, what I mean is, it's like it's like pop, 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 and it's like doesn't repeat where you think. But anyway, my whole point is, is you've got it's it's trying to show you that it's a time progression when she's she's seeing the copy of herself and she moves her hand and everything it's slightly delayed as it goes down the line right it's it's trying to show that she's been stuck doing the same thing over and over and over and over again you know it's trying to show that there's just been this long progression of her whole life she's been looking for something that in the end of it is insignificant and i think that's the biggest piece of it mm. like i said it's very similar to what you're saying, but it doesn't matter who they are at like, all. I like what you're saying because she's always asked the question, who are my parents? Who are my parents? Who are my parents? Who are my parents? And she knows the answer at the end doesn't matter. So when she actually gets to the actual last person or the last you know, mirror of herself, she realizes that the question she asking that she is asking is insignificant. That's, a, that's an interesting way to look at it. Others, I like that. Very good. Well, because the thing is, I think she knows who they are because mm-hmm. she doesn't say, who are my parents? She says, show them to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's anticipating them coming please. back. They're going to come mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. I know they're going to come back. Yeah. It, it, maybe she does really think that. Maybe she doesn't. But, you know, in that scene, she's she's not asking, please reveal to me who my parents are. Mm-hmm. It's show them to me. Yeah. Where are those turds now? <laughs> you know? and. <laughs> And it, but it just doesn't matter mm-hmm. who they are. I think yeah. it's really cool the way they did it. That the fact that, I mean, at least I hope they make it stick like that. God, I'd be really frustrated if it they turn it around. <laughs> and no, ve- she has to be related to somebody, Eric. Oh, it's because very it makes possible. What she it's very no, possible. That that no, no, you have to push the idea that anybody can be the hero. I agree with you guys. I Anyone agree with you guys. Can. But if you're telling me yeah. that it's not possible that J.J. Abrams starts <sighs> answering questions about Snoke. And starts maybe fucking with the in other aspects of it. I'm telling you, it's possible that that could happen. Fuck, that would really suck. Yeah, exactly. That would suck to know that it's yeah, supposed I, to just be lined with the Skywalker lineage, lineage, bloodline, yeah, family would, tree. Would that would just be horrible. I mean, yeah, I know. And it, it would also would be horrible really part of the Skywalker. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it would be horrible that they would cave in to the family. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it would piss me off. And some fans, not not all the fans, I, some fans. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind just the noise. I don't mind a, a backstory uh, on Snoke, not visually. No, that'd be great. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind a ghost Luke telling Ray mm-hmm. that this is how it went down. This is who he was, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just give me a little bit. But please don't make Ray a Skywalker. No, no. she no. Does, she doesn't have to be. No, no, no. She could be a strong, independent woman. Like right. we all want, yes. and she doesn't have to have any lineage. Just like you, I think, Eric, you made a great point. Well, it, you made a great point a couple of podcasts ago, and you said, "Who's Obi Wan's parents? Yeah, who's Yoda's parents? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, because the the whole theme of the movie, the entire movie, not just Ray's story, but the whole thing is that the Force isn't just for the Jedi. The Force isn't reserved for just a select few. It's there for the taking. All you have to do is open yourself up to it. Yeah. And the nature of her upbringing is what makes her this way. Now, I will say this, that 
when those two shadow figures converge and you see this final silhouette, I think I've heard, I think I heard Johnny Grasso say this same thing. That is straight up Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi. No way. I haven't, I haven't paid the, attention to that part. Really? Dude, when he's, when he's wearing the, the all black and the, like the way his hair is in that movie, little, yeah. little bit of the, you know, helmet head going on. Mm-hmm. It, dude, it's, it's find a, find a picture of Luke Skywalker and then look at that thing. I'm going to, I'm going to take a look. They did that on purpose, obviously. That is awesome. But I did not as know soon that. As it conver- yeah. As soon as it converged, I'm like, oh dude, that's from Return of the Jedi. That's mm. rad. That is rad. Yeah. I did not know that. That's cool. Hmm. Well, Neil, thank you for that voicemail. It was a nice mm. little chat we had about this. Keep them coming. Hope you're doing well. Hope Chicago is not too cold for you right now. Mm. Um, by the way, people, heading over to New York in about less than, probably not two weeks, yes, two or three weeks. Should be three weeks. And yeah. uh, get to hang out with these fine, amazing people from the East Coast. They're all, we're going to do a meetup, and we're going to have a great time. And I cannot wait. Freeze all your balls off together. Yeah, Les was supposed to go, but he has some issues and. That's not happening. It doesn't look like. No. But we have talked about maybe going again sometime in the spring or no, in the fall. 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 I can definitely do that. Yeah. So we're going to try another trip and we'll see how that goes. All right. So our last voicemail comes from His Majesty himself, mm-hmm. King Tom. Let's listen. Hey there, Sith listeners. King Tom here. Calling about uh, something with comics today. Back in November, Marvel released a promotional image teasing that the wedding of the century is going to be coming June 20th of 2018, and had a picture of some famous superhero couples, and people have been speculating over who it will be. And it looks like we may have our very first hint of who the couple is. In today's issue of X-Men Gold number 20, which came out this week, on the final page, Kitty Pride proposed to Colossus. Uh, they'd been rekindling their relationship, and a few issues ago, uh, Peter said some. You know, they they both realized that in the past they've been together and it hasn't worked. And Peter said the only way to ma- make sure they move forward is to move forward to the next phase. Then that got uh, sidetracked. That discussion got sidetracked by a trip to an alien dimension. But they've returned to Earth, and now Kitty is saying, "Let's do it." Which, hey, to me, great. Uh, I love Peter. I love Kitty. We actually were talking about them last week, and um, I'm very happy that they're together. Although I'm, I'm a bit, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a huge fan of theirs. But it's it, Marvel calling it the wedding of the century when you have a lot of other famous comic book couples out there like um, Reed and Sue. Although they, you know these are all people who were married last century, but you know Jean Grey is coming back, and Scott who knows what's up with him. They they could be married this century. Um, Peter and MJ. You know, they were unmarried through that uh, one-moment-in-time garbage arc, but now there's this other uh, comic in a parallel universe where they're married again. I don't know. But, you know, it's it's the wet Marvel wedding of the century, even though I'm sure it deserves it, but, hey, I'll take it. So how do you guys feel about that also? You know, what would you get a superhero couple getting married off the registry? I'd go with the crockpot. Always a solid gift unless one of the superheroes is getting married is the Human Torch. And obviously the guy wouldn't need a crockpot. Those are just my thoughts. What do you guys? Uh, thanks for the great podcast, and I will talk to you guys later. All right. King Tom coming up again with a solid voicemail. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let our comic book guru, mm-hmm. Eric Struthers, go ahead. 
Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Less, yeah. What do you think about this um, marriage of the century? Well, I, I agree with King Tom, and, and I've also seen on Twitter a uh, few people out there saying it, it really shouldn't be billed as the wedding of the century. It is not like Colossus and Shadow Cat are massive, massive pillars of the Marvel <laughs> comics. No, I mean, are they iconic X Men? Yes. Have they been around for a long time? Yes. But they should have billed Wedding of the Century for Black Panther and Storm. They should have done that. Uh, they should have revamped the whole Peter and MJ thing. They think they can do so much more. They just don't need to hang that kind of title on mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, yeah, it's just, ugh. I mean, it could just be them getting married. I mean, why not? And you know what? What if? They just put that out there to get sales, and then all of a sudden, the wedding doesn't even happen. Like the writers go, "Oh, sorry, we got you guys." You know, it's like, womp womp womp. Yeah, exactly. So, don't put the title on there, and then within three years, retcon it out, or write it out, or switch the whole damn thing out, and then you know, make it where it's in an alternate dimension or some other stuff, and it's just. Or, you know, they, there's so many different things that can happen when another writer steps up or another. Uh, actually, you know what? And I just saw what she did there. Yeah. Uh, there's They could have had a gay wedding with North Star. Well, yeah. Uh, King Tom and, sent me the the, uh, the invitation. You're, you're invited to the wedding of the century, June 20th, 2008. And there's a gay couple, yes, which is very and that's, cool. Uh, uh, one of them is North Star, who is part of Alpha Flight. He's a mutant. Okay. That's a character that should be brought to the screen at some point. Very cool. Black Panther Storm is also on this. Yes. So y- I thought they were married. No, they are no longer. Uh, they were married for a while. Okay. Um, what has happened to Storm is she's been just basically like shelved, so to speak, and being hmm. married to Black, being married to T'Challa, like just shelved her even more. Yeah. So I think it gets more control of her back and gets her back into a prominent role in the X Men and in the world of just in the comics in general. Again, back to that whole point, though, they could do so much more and and have other characters become the wedding of the, you know, make it the wedding of the. I just don't think they should do that. They should just say, or they should just have an issue with the wedding. That's it. Like, print the issue. People buy it. People can talk about it later. People can bring it up. That's as simple as it gets. I mean, Mm. do they really need to sell comics like that? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe they do. Maybe, money, damn. Don't, I know Marvel. Marvel's struggling right now. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, don't don't hang that on. Well, thank you, King Tom. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it, man. I think that wraps up our podcast for this evening, guys. We will end this episode right about now. Thanks again for tuning in and listening to us week in and week out. For the new people that have come on board, we really appreciate you guys giving us a shot. Hopefully, you'll tune into episode number seventy-eight. And also, thank you to Skyly, who came on. We did the minutes with the nieces. She was a natural. So, again, big shout out to Skyly. Also, the song you hear in the background is strategically placed because we had a big debate last week when Jason was on. Well, Les and I had a debate about mumble rap and hip hop and the state of music. And this song is called The Art of Storytelling. And I wanted to play this specifically because this is one band and one hip hop group that Les and I 100% agree on. This is Outcast, and the title of the song is very poignant because it does tell a story. And they're not mumbling. All right, guys, we will catch you next week on episode number 78.
of the Sith Lips. Somebody hit me the other day for a rendezvous. Was it the bitch that fucked the good and the dungeon crew? Let's say her name is Susie Screw, cause she screwed a lot. Making a nigga hit that chunk at legitimate spots. Not no parks, back seats, the things of that nature. Had to hate your player. I'm digging the whole down, never said I hate her. Straight later, slayed the bitch like Darth Vader. Made her from Collie Park and fed all the way down to the hater. Like Jada, her whip was sharp and sporty. That was shawty. Save with the snake and eggs and a beam of 840. It's foggy. I went to the crib to call her, but she lost me. My baby mama beat me. Seven o'clock is gonna cost me, but I still wanna cut her though. Maybe she had to work. I called her in the mall, women a real tight skirt. She was fine as fuck. I wanted to sex the whole up. She said, let's hit the parking lot so I can sick your duck. I said, cool. I really wanted to cut you, but this will do. I got to pick up my daughter, plus my baby mama beat me too. She said she understood and everything was kosher. I gave her a little wheel CD and a fucking poster. It's like that now. It's like that now. You better go get the hoe about your bag now. It's about four, five cats off here, my leg now. Which is shoot game in the form of story raps now. It's like that now, it's like that now. Now Susie Screw had a partner named Sasha. Sasha. I remember her number like the summer. When her and Susie, yeah, they threw a slumber. Party, but you can't call it that cause it was slumber. Well, it was more like spending night. Three in the morning, yawning, dancing under street lights. We chilling like a villain and a nigga feeling right. In the middle of the ghetto on the curb of the spite. All of the bullshit, we on our back staring at the stars above. Talking about what we gonna be when we grow up. I say, what you wanna be? She said, alive. It made me think for a minute, then looked in her eyes. I could have died, time went on, I got grown, rhyme got strong, mine got blown, I came back home, to find little Sasha was gone, her mama said she would a nigga that be treating her wrong, I kept on singing my song and hoping at a show, that I would one day see her standing in the front row, but two weeks later she got found in the back of a school, with a needle in her arm, baby too much do, Sasha Thumper. It's like that now, you better go get the hump about your bag now, it's about four, five, cats off here my leg now. This shoot came in the form of story raps now It's like that now, it's like that now It's like that now You better go get the hump about your bag now It's about four, five, cats all clear my leg now This shoot came in the form of story raps now It's like that now, it's like that now
guns For some tickets to the playoffs But the Hornets, they won Nigga, we slum Kept all the guns I gotta protect my family I drove the biggest thing in the house Cause I knew they tried to ram me But I'm stabbing Making a path on the stressway The best way I know how Up in the sky, east, west No clouds, I'm coming now Fuck that money now I asked my honey how she feeling Is it Jordan? Okay, yeah, yeah, she chilling We should be in the dungeon shortly Ain't nobody on their porch scene Approaching the final exit I'm thinking I see four horses But I don't know Nigga, you won't know Until it's on ya I put that on my door But from H-Town to California All the weed smell like ammonia But at the dungeon I know they're smoking Writing the raps And doing the beats To make the slash recording Fuck abortion I got in the booth To run the final portion The beat was very dirty And the vocals had this door Shine, 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 sh